Story twenty two of Stories Weird and Wonderful. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Stories Weird and Wonderful by J. E. Muddock. Story twenty two The Strange Story of Dr. Martin. Dr. Martin was an extraordinary man in almost every sense in which that word can be applied. He was below the medium height, standing not more than five feet four and a half. He had a narrow chest with sloping shoulders somewhat like a woman. He was thin, almost to emaciation, and his clothes hung about him in a loose, ill-fitting way. A stranger seeing him for the first time was moved to pity, thinking the man must be suffering from some obscure, wasting disease and that his days were numbered but this feeling wore off on a closer acquaintance for the doctor was not only remarkably active but endowed with a vigour of constitution and a power of endurance that might have begot the envy of men of far more robust build as a matter of fact the doctor had never had a day's illness in his life worth speaking of and at the time the event occurred which i shall now relate he was verging on sixty however unattractive his body was no one could look upon his face without feeling in a sense fascinated his complexion was sallow his cheeks hollow but every feature was as delicate and clearly cut as those of a classical statue the quivering lips beautifully chiselled were expressive of intellectual subtlety but it was in the high white massive forehead that the intellectuality was displayed as well as in the deep-set, almost unnaturally brilliant and restless dark eyes. His face in all its workings revealed the innate force of character and strong individuality of the man. When stirred by inward emotion or passion, his face was a marvellous study. Then his eyes seemed to blaze, and every muscle and line twitched with the tremendous nerve energy that was aroused. In repose, his face had somewhat of a dreamy expression, but once let it thrill with animation and the contrast was striking if not startling his voice was rich and full of volume and when heard for the first time the listener was astounded at so melodious a voice being associated with so meagre a man martin was a native of cork but had been educated in dublin and was an m d and m a of trinity college of that city at an early age he displayed remarkable precocity which did not as is usually the case with precocious children develop into dullness at a later period obtaining his degree when quite a young man he removed to london and his force of character and natural cleverness soon won a practice for him at thirty-two or three he married an irish lady who was an exceedingly commonplace woman good-looking enough and not without intelligence but still she belonged to a very ordinary type though she adored her husband and looked upon him as something almost more than mortal a year after the marriage a daughter came to bless the union and surely man never idolized the child as martin idolized this one but before she had reached the age of seven she was carried off suddenly by croup and for a time the blow seemed to crush her father she was the only child and on her the parents seemed to have centered all their hopes so much did the child's death prey upon the mother's mind that she felt seriously and dangerously ill and her life was threatened the prospect of this fresh loss aroused the doctor from his stupor and the old energy came back though he appeared somehow to be a changed man he began to preach the doctrine that save by accident no human being should die young 
and he declared that within reach of the chemist's art was an elixir of life and he vowed that he would devote all his energies and study to discovering it but his first attention was given to his sick wife to whom he was no less devotedly attached than she was to him with untiring watchfulness he tended her and it might be said that he ransacked his laboratory for an antidote to her disease and though he was not able to cry eureka and say he had found the precise elixir he sought he nevertheless succeeded in baffling her illness and she slowly recovered this stimulated him to renewed research and though for a time he did not relax his attention to his general practice he ultimately became so absorbed in his idea that he grew into a monomaniac and so forgetful of everything else that he neglected his patients and gradually lost them this did not affect him however as independent of some private means of his own he had money through his wife so that he had no financial difficulties to contend against or to distress him thoroughly imbued with his idea his wife aided him so far as she was capable of doing at any rate his word was to her law his wishes her pleasure to try and anticipate up to that time they had been residing in a somewhat small though compact house in kensington but he complained that it was too small for his work and after a little delay he discovered a house to his mind at hampstead it was a large old-fashioned place detached and standing in a considerable area of ground that was shaded with trees of great age as the house had been untenanted for some time it was dilapidated and forlorn-looking while the neglected grounds had run to rank weeds dr martin and his wife were too much absorbed with their one thought to give any attention to their premises and so the garden was allowed to remain as it was and but little was done to improve the external appearance of the house although a woman was engaged as general servant in the upper part of the premises were four good-sized rooms and the doctor had these thrown into one large chamber which he fitted up in a most elaborate manner as a laboratory in this place he gathered together the most costly chemical apparatus and scientific instruments of all kinds and then he entirely abandoned himself to the search for that wonderful elixir of life of course dr martin and his partner soon acquired the reputation of being eccentric and some people even spoke of them as cracked the neglected appearance of their house and grounds fostered this idea and moreover martin made no secret of what he was bent upon in fact he proclaimed it to any one who would listen to him and at such times his enthusiasm was marvellous his eyes glowed with kindling light his face became suffused with a deep flush his nostrils quivered and his melodious voice rolled forth a flood of eloquence until his listeners falling under his spell of fascination stared at him in open-mouthed amazement he did not talk as an empiric or a mountebank his learning and his wondrous knowledge enabled him to speak with an air of authority he quoted the most erudite authors in support of his views his theme was that nature held the secret if not of perennial youth at least of prolonging life to a very extreme age and he was determined to wrest the secret from her if this was madness it was certainly a very harmless sort of madness and calculated to result in good for be it remembered that up to the time of his daughter's death and his wife's dangerous illness the doctor had been as other men he was a philosopher a scholar a clever doctor a humanitarian and capable of subtle reasoning he had the faculty of keen observation and the power of drawing inferences from what he saw such a man might have become a monomaniac but it was a foregone conclusion that the world would be better for anything he might devote his talents to 
in his search for the philosopher's stone he was likely to stumble upon something else that in a practical and utilitarian age would be scarcely less valuable at any rate this was his own view of the matter presently we shall see if he was right it would be impossible to set forth by mere description the nature of the experiments and the research to which dr martin devoted his days and often part of his nights his enthusiasm knew no bounds his perseverance never flagged his determination could not be daunted and in his wife he found a patient willing helpmate who watched his eyes for her orders and obeyed him by a sign to this one object his life was now concentrated and year after year he pursued that object with unflagging zeal under such long-continued study without break without change the health of most men would have broken down but not only was martin not affected but to the astonishment of all who knew him he seemed rather to grow younger than older his face did not change his eye lost none of its brightness his hair showed no signs of grey people wondered as was only natural they should and when some ventured to question him he answered with a smile of triumph that his labours had not been altogether profitless and he had discovered a means of preserving the youth though as yet his secret was not ripe enough for disclosure when the news of this spread about as nothing could prevent its doing numbers of people flocked to dr martin's house begging of him to give them the means of preserving their youth and had he been inclined he might have reaped a large fortune but he despised money he said he was a servant of science and that he laboured in the cause of humanity and when he had thoroughly proved the value of his discovery he would make it known to the world but not before the people were disappointed but he was firm and no offer of money no persuasion could tempt him and so for many years dr martin went on in his harmless way until at last a terrible blow fell upon him a blow that broke his hopes for a time and seemed to indicate that his years of labour had been utterly useless this blow was the death of his devoted wife she was suddenly seized with apoplexy and though he called in the assistance of several eminent doctors they could do nothing she never rallied never recovered consciousness and in twelve hours after the seizure was dead for the first time martin's zeal seemed to cool his energies to desert him under this heavy affliction he blamed himself for having allowed his studies to so absorb his attention that he had been blind to his wife's failing health he vowed that had he not been so blind he could have preserved her life for many years her death seemed like a bitter commentary on all that he had been doing or had done and of course the world wasn't slow to mock at him but reverses with such a man only meant fresh stimulus nor was he likely to be long bowed however severe the storm that might sweep over his head his devouring zeal would not permit of that inactivity to him would have meant madness or death and so he once more turned his attention to his favourite pursuits and displayed utter indifference to the many cruel and spiteful things that were said about him for two or three years more dr martin went on in his old way forgetting the world and by the world forgot he had dropped out of the memory of even his old colleagues and people who had once been his friends deserted him it is ever so in this world a man who elects to pursue a course away from the beaten track must go alone the pioneer if he succeeds is hailed with acclamation but if he fails he is laughed at and if he dies on his way the world shrugs its shoulders says that he shouldn't have attempted such a thing and then forgets him but there was one mystery that those who saw martin could not be altogether indifferent about age seemed to bring him none of the physical changes that it brings to all men although he was now near sixty he looked little or no older than he did at forty 
his energy was as bright his step as elastic his hair as dark his energy as undiminished as ever it was and it began to be asked whether he had really discovered some antidote against physical decay dr martin himself was silent on the subject if he was aware of the curiosity that was thus being revived he heeded it not he had his own secrets and knew how to keep them one day he called upon a colleague of his but one whom he had not seen for many years this was dr john brennan then a man verging on eighty years of age although he was perfectly hale and hearty dr brennan was very well known as the author of several medical works and for nearly forty years he had been prominently connected with one of the great london hospitals brennan was surprised to see his old friend i've quite lost sight of you for some years he said after the greetings were over but bless my life you don't seem to have changed a bit what have you been doing have you discovered some magical elixir that is capable of preserving perennial youth yes said martin dryly i have of course his friend laughed but martin proceeded to relate with impressive seriousness the many experiments that he had been so long engaged upon he declared that he had succeeded in compounding a remarkable chemical substance which seemed to have the property of retarding the ravages of age and he drew attention to himself as a living example of the truth of what he said but he exclaimed enthusiastically i have done more than that brennan i have discovered a means of suspending animation for practically an unlimited period it is wonderful but it is true a person can be put to sleep for a month a year two years any number of years and at the end of any given period revived again need i point out the enormous value of this discovery if it can be clearly demonstrated that it will do what i state i have reason to believe that during this narcotic sleep for so it is all disease no matter what its nature would leave the body and the sleeper would awake with renewed vigour strength and health and consequently with a renewed lease of life dr brennan smiled incredulously and seemed disposed to question his friend's sanity but martin argued so eloquently so learnedly and so convincingly that at last brennan asked well what is it you wish me to do i will tell you hitherto my experiments have been carried out upon animals only now i intend to submit myself to the experiment and i want you to form a committee to watch the effects and to testify to the accuracy of what i say brennan seemed reluctant to fall in with this arrangement in his own mind he thought the thing too ridiculous for serious consideration and he suggested that a younger man and one of the new school should be asked to take the matter up but martin urged that his friend's high reputation and great talents were what had induced him to apply to him for he wanted to place the matter beyond the reach of ridicule or doubt the result of the interview was that dr brennan consented to think the matter over and if he saw his way clear to accede to the request he would then speak to some of his friends and they would arrange to meet at martin's house and go into the affair more fully on this understanding they parted and a week later martin received a letter from brennan to say that he and an old colleague dr patterson walker would call on a certain day at his martin's house the visit was made and it is testimony to the eloquence and cleverness of dr martin that he was enabled to carry something like conviction to the minds of these state scientific men for they consented to organize a committee and investigate martin's alleged discovery dr martin stipulated that he was not to disclose his secret until after the experiment this was somewhat unwillingly agreed to and all the necessary arrangements having been made and a committee of eight well-known medical men including brennan and walker having been formed 
a day was fixed for the commencement of the experiment dr martin first of all signed the paper in which he declared that what he was about to do was done in the interest of science and the cause of suffering humanity and that it was of his own free will and at his earnest desire that the experiment was to be carried out this document having been duly attested by every one of the gentlemen present dr martin produced two files one contained four ounces of a perfectly colourless viscid fluid not unlike glycerin in consistency the other contained about two ounces of a bright amber limpid fluid the doctor explained that he would swallow the white fluid and that within half an hour afterwards he would sink into a profound sleep that gradually all the functions would cease or seem to cease the face would assume a waxen pallor and the respiration would be imperceptible in this condition he might be kept for an indefinite period but three months was fixed as the limit in this case at the end of that time the inside of the mouth and tongue were to be wetted with a feather dipped in the amber fluid this would gradually cause the breathing to recommence then the fluid was to be poured down the throat drop by drop until it was all swallowed and full animation had returned a bedroom had been prepared with a bed specially arranged and when dr martin had suitably attired himself he lay down on the bed and drank the white liquid as he had predicted he fell into a deep sleep and a little later he had all the appearance of a corpse save that there was a slight warmth about the body and a faint flush on the face this condition lasted for a week without any change and the watchers began to think that martin had really discovered the means of suspending animation and restoring it again another week passed and the only noticeable change then was that the face had become more waxen and the most delicate tests failed to detect either the breathing or warmth in the body but the committee felt no alarm for there were signs that were not compatible with death and their excitement and interest increased as it seemed probable that the experiment would be successful two months passed and the same condition was maintained to the amazement of the committee it was then decided as a test to make a small puncture in the arm this was done and blood flowed incontestably proving that the man was alive as the time for reawakening him approached the excitement was intense and it was felt that a tremendous triumph was in store for science and that the name of this extraordinary little man who had devoted twenty years to perfecting his discovery would be immortalized at length the day for the awakening came and in addition to the original committee two eminent scientists and two other doctors requested to be present the request being granted when all was ready the amber fluid was applied as martin had directed and its effect was watched with breathless anxiety and eagerness sure enough the breathing became perceptible and the fluid was poured down the throat and swallowed then those standing round noticed not without alarm that the waxen pallor of the face gave place to a dirty greyish hue that deepened to brown and gradually changed to mahogany colour what did this mean surely something was wrong no worms could be detected in the body and the breathing was no longer perceptible but now a more astounding change took place the hair gradually blanched until it was white the eyes fell in and an extraordinary appearance of age came into the face it was drawn and puckered with the bones showing through the brown skin until it looked for all the world like the wizened face of a sick monkey the spectators were appalled and frantic efforts were made to restore animation but all was useless and one and all shrank back in loathing and horror for on the bed before them was a withered and decayed corpse so decayed that on someone touching one of the hands the bones of the fingers broke away when the onlookers had recovered from the shock this wonderful and startling change had produced upon them they proceeded to examine the body 
that martin was dead was beyond all doubt and his body had all the appearance of a corpse many weeks old the odour from it was unbearable and all the flesh had assumed a mummified appearance this ghastly ending to the experiment was a great blow to those who had consented to watch it but what was the mystery for mystery there most certainly was for three months martin had lain on the bed like a waxen image without the slightest sign of decay or change of any kind but as soon as the revivifying elixir was applied the appalling transformation commenced but the most incomprehensible part of the mystery was that breathing was detected at first and the fluid was actually swallowed but then within an incredibly short space of time all the conditions of old age set in followed by putridity and decay no man there and yet they were all men of extreme cleverness could offer a word of explanation they had seen with their own eyes and were ready to swear on oath to the facts i have narrated but they could not account for them dr martin after twenty years of study had succeeded in giving his fellow men a problem which has never been solved and is never likely to be and the secret of his wonderful elixirs by which he had really preserved his youth and for three months had prevented his body from decaying was lost with him End of story twenty two The Stranger Story of Dr. Martin End of Stories Weird and Wonderful by J. E. Muddock